0: You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're living blessed. And now your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. Of course, we have special people who tell very vulnerable and transparent moments of their lives. I have a special guest who finally made it to the podcast because of me, not him. Not him. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for him to tell y'all. <laughs> yeah, not him. He had nothing to do with it. It was all my fault. I've had a mental, had a one week, I had just had a mental, I needed a mental break. Next week was, he was going to, we were going to record, but another meeting ahead of that got in the way. And then we finally got Kirkland here. Finally. 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 It's happened to me right in front of your faces. <laughs> and I just can't describe it. <laughs> I told you third times the charm. It is. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the episode, man. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you are. For uh-huh. the people who don't know you. Or for uh-huh. the people who do know you but don't fully know you yet. Know me yet. Okay. Um, my name is Kirkland. I am the owner of XL Tribe, which is a media brand. That's geared towards helping big and tall men feel better, dress better, look better, and just walk into their shit, step into their shit. I love it. Yeah. Appreciate you because there's not, there's not really a bit a much of a space for big and tall men. Nope. Especially when it comes to like shopping. I hate shopping because it's hard for me to find anything in my clothes. My size, should I but say. you get into an extra large now. You can find everything. Oh, now. finally! Oh, finally! <laughs> finally! <laughs> but I still have issue with my pants. Oh yes. So my pants I have a big issue with because of my thighs. I have mm-hmm. very big, thick, you know, thicker thighs. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, um, I've been following you and following your journey on the whole XL Tribe um, movement that you've been doing and helping, like you know, styling. Because I'm not the best stylist. My sister has. To, like, I have to, like get approval from her. I like, will go huh? to her room like, hey, like, you, you need your stylist's approval to wear that? Yeah, or oh, this today? No, I'm oh, saying like, and yeah, anything like that looks like super, like top model fashion for me that you got, anybody sees. Oh, she more did likely that. she has something to do with it. Okay, or I might like I have like a slight fashion sense and I can piece something together real quick. I'm pretty sure you have a fashion sense. You just haven't tapped into it yet. Yeah, there it is because there it everyone is. has a fashion sense because fashion really is Just an outward expression of what you feel on the inside. Mm. So you have a fashion sense; you just haven't tapped into it yet. Okay, just like your power. I like. I like. I see where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. I see where you're going with this. All right. All right. So, Kirkland, Kirkland, where? uh Where are you from? I I love to kind of find out where people are from and kind of get because I'm on this journey of trying to see does the state shape you, does or is it the family that shapes you, or where you from shapes you like? Where are you from? Um, I was born in Brooklyn, oh. uh, raised in Queens. Okay. And then I moved around a lot. Okay. So um, one thing I never did personally was pick up things. Um, what you mean pick up things? Like, you know how, like, if New York, there's like a cultural presence about New York. Yeah, so yeah, Usually, You, yeah. Okay, you okay, see okay. New Yorkers. They have a, a walk, a swag, a talk about them. I would so, have never guessed you were from New York. Exactly. Um, I was also raised in Miami, Florida. Really? Exactly. You wouldn't know that either. I don't pick up things. Um, huh. That was on purpose, Because you answered my question then. What? Does, where you from? Did, it can shape you, but it actually did shape me, but because I didn't want it to shape me, it shaped me. Why didn't you want it to shape because me? Because when I was growing up, <clears throat> one of the things that... I saw in school I saw the kids pick on The other Jamaican kids And I never wanted to seem Jamaican So part of that Like Part of my journey was me Dumbing myself down So that I didn't seem Jamaican So I always wanted to just be The like neutral kid And that's how school was for me Just coasting through Like I'm not I wasn't in any of the groups I didn't sit at any of the tables Like just let me get my work done and get through 12th grade. I don't got time for this shit. Like, that was me through school. And that's how school went for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. Because I didn't want it to shape me. But right. not knowing that that was not good. Mm-hmm. But as a natural defense mechanism, that's what I saw. And that's what I didn't... I didn't want the kids to make fun of me. So it does shape you in a way. But okay. I had the adverse effect on me. So how did you... Get yourself to a point of Where, you, where you've where gotten to So it's like You didn't want to be picked on because you were Jamaican Was it because of the accent Or was it because Yes just- it was always the accent <laughs> it, You was going to hear the boat jokes You was going to hear the The bubbles uh-huh. um, Of course I've Not of course I, I was poor So You was going to hear the bubble jokes Which means like You don't have on like Actually if I were in school These would be bubbles Oh, so it's like the off-brand, the off-brand stuff. Okay, That's what okay, they okay, call okay. Bobos in gotcha, Miami. Gotcha. So you didn't want to be wearing any of that, and so I had to find a way to navigate my space. So I figured if I just curl myself up, make myself really small, no one would see me, and I would just just get me out of here. Now, what was the push for just wanting to get out of there? Well, I, well, life for me was really hard growing up. Okay. Um, So I tried. That was always my thing: was making myself small. Like when I was a kid, um, I forgot what TV show that was. I think it's is who has invisibility? Is it Flashman? I didn't watch. One of them had invisibility, and that's the gift I always wanted to have because Mm. I didn't want people to see me. Why not? Because if you see me, that means you have to see me, right? right? So it's funny now that everyone sees me because I'm so seen. But yeah. back then, like you wouldn't see me. Like I'd be in a r I'd be one of those people who'd be in a room and we'd be in this room for hours and you would never see me. And then such and such later would be like, Oh, do you remember that? Yeah, you was there. Yeah. I don't remember that would be me. Cause I'd make myself unmemorable. Wow. Um, from because it was easier to be like that. Because I, as a kid, I mm. always knew. I always knew, for better or worse, I always knew I was gay. So okay. that wasn't anything for me to figure out. But I learned really quickly that, that was the world thought that was a problem. So as a kid, you already knew that you were gay? Already. Like, bef- so right about walking and talking age. Me. There's going to, probably some times you need to correct me because I'm not always politically correct on terminology. Uh-huh. Especially when it comes to the LGBTQ community. Uh-huh. So if I say anything off, there's uh-huh. no offense to anybody. Um, no offense to anybody. I just, I'm still learning. Okay. Still learning. So you said you knew you were always gay from when? Like what age? Uh, five, four-ish. And how'd you know? As a kid, like how do you know that you're gay? Because you know that you feel some type of way. You don't have a ner- You don't have a name for it. You don't have a language for it. You just know that everyone else is clearly interested in what you're not interested in. That's all you know. Okay. Because all the little boys are playing with the little girls in preschool, but you looking like them, ugh, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's your thought. So okay, okay. you know something's different, but you don't know what. Mm. Like, you don't know why or what it is. And that's the thing about growing up in a Jamaican household. In in most black households, you learn pretty quickly that being gay ain't cool. Okay. okay. So through that process, um, that's how I started to make myself invisible because I didn't want people to see that. So you didn't want people to see that you were gay. Yes. So you made yourself invisible to pretty much like, I'm here, but I'm I'm not not here. here." I'm blending in with the walls, the curtains. Yep. Whatever, Whatever I, I can blend, blend in, in with, with, this is my space. So at Big functions, you're more so on the outskirts, yep, watching in. Uh-huh. Wow. Always. Until this age, like until my late 20s, early 30s. How was, do you know? I'm 33. You sure? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what year were you born? <laughs> I'm 33. Okay. I just turned 33. That's why I don't remember. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank birthday. you. <laughs> so Invisible Man. Man, that's gonna be the title of this episode. Invisible Man. Yeah. That's some good shit. <laughs> so, as a kid, you said I knew you, you knew you were gay, and then growing up in a Jamaican household, in a black household, mm-hmm. is it accepted? No, it's it's like it's like stigma on top of stigma on top of stigma on top of stigma. Like I feel like stigma all one that. is what black stigma two Jamaican stigma three then the gay. And the, is there a stigma for Oh, yeah, I'm loud. So, Jamaican, well, black, Jamaican, gay, and loud. Oh, I'm sorry, male. Let's add male. And male. Yes. So, there are five stigmas right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in your household, what are your parents saying? Um, My father is starting to appear in my life at some point. I don't know what age that is. Eight, nine-ish, maybe Mm ten-ish. Starting to appear. And it's starting to make reference to um, me. Actually, no. I heard it before that. Actually, let's go all the way back. Let's go back to like maybe seven or eight. Before I even met my father, I started to hear it from my grandparents mm. first oh because the older generation right mm. I started to hear from them first <clears throat> what are you hearing why are you walking like that why you talk like that those are the two I can like outwardly remember like off the top of my head why are you walking like that why are you talking like that is the first thing. Oh, why you don't have no little girlfriends? Yes, that was that was the one. I don't know. I'm seven. Why do I need a girlfriend? <laughs> but you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. where it started, uh-huh. actually. It started with where your little girlfriend. Okay. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Plural. Sorry. Where your little girlfriends. Let's let's add the all the S's in there. Because uh-huh. I should have had multiples at that point. I'm seven. Is that like a Jamaican thing or something? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I've heard it before in Jamaican households. I I don't know where it comes from, but I've definitely heard it before. Um, So I think that's where it started first. And then it started with why you walk like that, why you talk like that. And then as I'm getting older, there's no bass being added to my voice. So Mm. I'm I'm 9, 10, still having no bass. So then... There's that's when my father starts appearing and and he's making me act a certain way, making me not be loud. That's why I really learned to minimize myself. So was they like? Did they bring your dad in as far as like because he was just out wherever he may have been? No, actually, that was my idea to bring your have your dad in. Yes, that was my idea. Oh. So what happened was I I realized at a really young age. That for whatever reason, and I don't know, but now that you're not talking, maybe a part of me is learning that if my dad is present, maybe he'll help me not be so gay. Actually, now that you're, now that I'm talking it through with you, I'm thinking about that thought. Maybe that's what it was. But whatever the case was, mm-hmm. in my mind, I knew that I needed a father figure. So I asked my mom to let me go move with my father. So, so you're where at this time? I'm in Miami. Your dad at is this weird. time in New York. Okay, okay. So I am, um, I asked her to move there. Now at this time, I'd only seen him for two summers, mm-hmm. and somehow decided from those two summers that I wanted to go stay with this man full time. Worst decision of my motherfucking life. <laughs> Why? I mean, just tragic. <laughs> Why? Because I mean, it went from. Roses and cotton candies to like military drills and like do twenty push ups every day. If you Jamaican, you know what Cersei tea is. That shit is nasty. Ooh. Bush. Okay, so we we drink Jamaicans drink and eat things like from the earth. So one of the things we drink is called Bush tea or Cersei tea. It's it's a plant that grows. So Jamaicans generally have them in their yard, that Mm -hmm. they grow. So you take the bush off, put it in the pot, um, and you boil it, and then you drink the water from the content. Or or if you have orange peel, like we peel the orange Mm -hmm. and then let the orange dry, and then boil it and drink that. So you have to drink one of those teas every morning. And then it's that it's the constant beratement of my sexuality and I'm literally 12 and trying to figure out the world. What are you doing, sir? There's no guidance. He's not shaping me or molding me. He is actually in his image, not in what's best for me. What's yeah, he thinks best for me. And so that's around the time where I really really learned to be invisible. Um, Because there was no other way That I was going to make it through Being seen all the time So that's kind of where that comes from So I got a question Were you trying to like Force yourself to not be gay? There was a long Time Yeah, there was But it wasn't because of me, it was because of I did not want to deal With the scrutiny from my Anymore, it wasn't something I actually wanted to do. I just mm-hmm. wanted to not be scrutinized. I didn't want like I didn't want to feel threatened anymore. Gotcha. That was it. Not because of something I wanted to do. It was just I was like, man. Well, if we're gonna make it through. This It felt I ain't gonna lie to you This is probably a lie My sister gonna kill me But it felt like A concentration camp to me I ain't even gonna lie to you This is what it felt like At 12 and 13 And 14 And 15 It felt like A concentration camp The whole time Living with your dad Yeah So how are you As A 12, 13, 14, 15 year old boy Navigating in this new space of yours Where You're wanting your dad To make you more stern Or just whatever more, what was it, more stern or just more I just of, wanted a relationship. Just, you wanted a really, relationship with your yeah. dad, really? But it turns out that it's the opposite of what you asked for. It's so much opposite. Like, I mean, I don't know what I would have turned out like staying with my mother, but that was the worst idea of my life. So during this time, these few years- mm-hmm. What is your exit strategy, or do you have the exit strategy, or no, is there Well, yes, actually, I had an exit strategy. All right, this is my exit strategy. So this is how I got through, right? I took two extra classes every semester, and I had and I tried to do two activities. So I did track and I did volleyball. Those are my two extracurricular activities on top of my extra classes. So my goal was to be busy from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep. Got gotcha. you. So that you only had to see me... When you're waking up and going to sleep. That's it. Like, I didn't want you to see me no more than twice a day. Because mm. any more than that, you was going to start... coming and drill Sorry, Yeah, and, and I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. I wasn't that kind of kid. Got gotcha. you. I needed nurturing and loving. I'm not the, like... Dude, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm not that kid because I'm yeah, not gonna yeah, respond yeah. to you. I'm gonna be like, "What are you doing?" Right, right, right. Why are you doing that. So now that you've gotten this, you're kind of like pushing yourself. Like you're up in in the mornings, going to school, throughout school activity, bed, same thing over and over and over. Are you getting tired at any point? Are you saying, you know what? I just can't. No, because like uh, no, because really for me. There were, there were glim, glimmers of hope Because what was happening I was getting older mm-hmm. So I knew, I knew about emancipation So okay. that was one of my exit strategies If all else failed I was going to emancipate myself um, Wait, you were going to emancipate yourself? Oh, I was Oh, I was going to do that Because there was no way I was going to live like that So that was my exit strategy If, like, if all of my other plans failed That was going to be my last strategy To emancipate myself Because I had to get out of there. And how were you going to do this? Listen, I don't know about that part. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I knew it exists because I had looked it up. And I saw that other (laughs) 16-year-olds had gotten emancipation from their parents. Um, And I knew that I needed to technically be an adult in order to do certain things, like get a car, get a better Mm -hmm. apartment, things like that. I (laughs) knew that stuff. So... My first time trying to have an exit strategy was trying to go to school. Um, I wanted to go to the Harvey Milk School of Arts. That was my first time trying to have an exit strategy. And when my father found out that Harvey Milk was gay, that was shut all the way down instantly. Harvey Milk is a gay school? It's not. It's just the man, Harvey Milk. Oh, is he's a man. He's oh. he's deceased now, but okay, he okay. was gay, and that was shut down. So it was my first time trying to make my exit strategy. Um, I'm trying to think when my second time was, because I think I was already like 14 at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what my next exit strategy was, but the next year, the next summer, I left to back to Miami. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know why It never occurred to me The whole time To call my mama I don't know why I was gonna ask like I never once gonna... thought <laughs> Did To you do ever, that and I don't that know My next question was like No cause see Like if, do you watch the show Ruthless By Tyler Perry okay. No Okay So in the show A lot To me the people They can be free But when someone Has your mind You don't uh, know you That you're fully. free Yeah yeah There's yeah, no physical yeah, yeah. chains on you But in your mind There is Got you And that's why It never occurred to me To, like, call my mom and be like, yeah, this man is abusing me. Can I go home? Like, never thought So for how many years? Four or five years? About four. Four and a half. You went through mental abuse. Yes. And physical. He beat the shit out of me. Really? Oh, yeah. For what reasons? (laughs) One time in particular. In my middle school yearbook, someone wrote, stay loud. And he thought that was not appropriate for somebody to write in a man's yearbook. So, he beat me for that. Mm-hmm. And I stayed loud. Fuck yeah. Okay. So, you stayed loud. Middle school, he beats you because someone says to stay loud. Because that's just the personality of Kirkland. hmm And so, I'm assuming... And correct me if I'm wrong, that your dad just had a really big issue with you being gay. Yes, that was his number one issue with me. So, in a sense, you put yourself in this situation. I did. I really did. And you can't get yourself out of it because you're mentally tied to your dad. Yep. And, and I don't know that you I'm don't, free. Don't know that you're free. So, it's like slavery in a sense. We're free because we the emancip- Emancipation Proclamation... And you're the people in Texas who just don't know they're free. Yep. I'm those people. Wow. And literally in the summer, I don't know what year that was, the summer when I was turning 14, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I was turning 14 or 15 was the summer that I realized, wait a minute, My father was leaving My father was leaving And I am Faced with Like I have to leave At this point But it's not on my own volition And So I called my mom And I was like Hey I need to go home Because my father left And At the time I was staying With father left where? He left He left I don't know where he is at this time. He's gone. So So you were in New York with your dad? Well, I lived with my dad and my brothers and my sister and their mother. Okay. Right. So my father leaves and their mom is in the house with four kids, four teenage kids. So they needed to move. They couldn't afford to take care of me because my father was gone. So that's kind of what was my freedom. And so I called my mom and I was like, hey, I need to come home. My dad left. I don't know where he's at. And so my mom sent me a plane ticket. I think I was on JetBlue. And I came home. And then the day I came home, I was like, what was holding me the whole time? I don't know. And I I think now that I'm thinking about, like, what was holding me? There was absolutely nothing holding me there. I could have called my mom years before. I just. Mentally enslaved. Yeah. I didn't think I was free. Dang. So your dad just disappears. Yep. To this day? No, no, not to this day. I know where he's now, but not to this day. But for many years, maybe six. Seven or eight years. He's just gone. Gone. No smoke signal. No letter. Uh-uh. No text. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Not at least not to you. Not to me. So you back to Miami? Yes, I'm back in Fort Lauderdale now. In Fort Lauderdale. What's mm. going on then? Um, I'm graduating high school finally. Um, I'm getting a job. Why would he, I I by the way, I had a job in New York. That was another way that I was getting my freedom. I had a job. I had a job. Actually I had the most interesting job ever. You know those people twirling the signs? Yeah. You I used did. to do that. But what I was advertising, let me tell you how old this is. I was advertising for singular to let you know that texts were no longer per character anymore. That's that's what was on the sign that I was flipping. That's how old that was ago. Dang, that was like I had, a, I had a singular back in high school. So That was back in like 2000. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was my first job. <clears throat> and then my second job was I would take that money, mm-hmm. flip it. See, I've always been an entrepreneur. That's okay. one thing about me. I've always been an entrepreneur. I was taking that money and then I was reinvesting it into candy at the Rite Aid that I would sell at school and double my money. So you've always been an entrepreneur. Yep. All ways. All right. So mom flies you thought a lot of them Mm-hmm. Finally had graduate high school. You say, Yep, got a job. Mm-hmm. What's going on next? Um, in that time was kind of when my mom started to figure out that I was gay. Oh, so she didn't know. I mean, moms always know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like not from my mouth. Actually, I never, she never found out from me, actually. A friend of mine was over and was talking about him dating a guy. And then I didn't know she was home. And then he said, when are you going to get a boyfriend? And then that's when my mom came out the room and was like, I can't say that out here. But that's when my mom started being verbally abusive to me so that's when that relationship so it was like she knew like okay my son may be gay oh that was confirmed that that day but that that, day that day confirmed it for her and then like she just kind of flipped the script yep and then we no longer had a relationship after that really so it was just so at that point um no we no longer had a relationship i still lived at the house but we didn't talk anymore so you're in the house, and you're not talking to your mom at all. No. For how long? A year, until not a word, not a word. How is this possible? Um, easy. Um, I mean, I, cause I'm I'm like the ignore. I can not ignore the heck out of somebody. But. I can't ignore people, but I'm not the ignore person. But that was easy for me because you knew what I just left. Yeah. And then you inflict more pain. To me, that was just wild. Oh, for sure. So that was easy for me to ignore, but I'm not that. I, I can't I ignore people. I'm not that. I'm not good at it. The, the, I, the situations is hard to ignore, but people, if, if we're in a room together right now, like you just getting on my nerves, I would literally just do this. I don't know how you're doing it because it's like, it's almost like the, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. It's like, you know, they're close <laughs> to your face. Like, I don't know how people actually ignore people because I can see it. I, I see you. I, I see it. I think I've grown accustomed to it because of my childhood, probably. Got it. Got it. But, so you're used to um ignoring the shit out of people. Oh, for sure. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I wasn't that good at it, but with her, I was because I, you knew where I left and for you to inflict pain again on me to me was wild so I ignored her for about a year maybe a little more than a year I can't get over this y'all in the same house Mm -hmm. and you're ignoring your mom sure am but it wasn't that hard though it's not like like my mom is not a present mother so it's not that hard so there's even that at one point like you want to be like all right, you're in a good mood no Mm -hmm. I want to get out my whole point is getting out so at that time I get a second job so, where am I working? I'm working two jobs. Oh, oh, I'm working at KFC. I'm working at Things Remembered. And I was working at Jiffy Lube. I had three jobs at the time, actually. Because that was my, I had to get out. So, I was saving my money to get my own place. So, when I was almost 18, so about a year and a half. I got an apartment with my friend. That's when I officially moved out. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, and then from there, it, I just... I ain't look back. I just... I got my own apartment with my friend. Um, 17, 18, 19 and a half. So two years. Then... I discover Atlanta. That's how we got here. Um, so... My friends were coming on a trip to uh, this place called Atlanta. I'm gonna say it like this because (laughs) I did I did not know this place exists. (laughs) So they're coming on a trip to this place called Atlanta. Uh And I'm like, where's Atlanta? And it was like, oh, it's in Georgia. Now mind you, I'm I'm geographically challenged. Right, right, right. So now you know it's New York and Florida problem. That's it. (laughs) So where's Georgia? Oh, it's the state on top of you. Yeah, I don't know where that is. So we pull up the map and I was like, oh, it's right there. So they're like, oh, we're going to drive. It's like nine-hour drive. I said, okay, that's far, but okay, cool. We're coming here for pride. That's the reason I came here. We're here, we're partying. I found my way to the Phoenix Lennox Mall. When I'm at the mall, I discover, I don't know if they still have them anymore. If they do, maybe I'm dating myself, but they have these really thick apartment books Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm walking past Macy's and there was a, uh, like a the stand little, of them, yeah, yeah, the yep. little kiosk with those stands. And I knock one over with my Macy's bag. So I go to pick it up. This got part got to be God. I'm telling you. I go to pick it up. I'm like, friend, there's an apartment in here for $499. This got to be the hood, right? Exactly. Four hundred ninety-nine dollars. I kid you not. This gotta be the hood, right? So we go looking up. It's like Smyrna. This is one of the best neighborhoods in Georgia. Oh, this got to be a joke. Four ninety-nine for an apartment in Smyrna? Two bedroom at that. Ain't no way. It's a two-bedroom, one bath. I so I kid you not. Actually, the two bedroom, one bath, that was the larger floor plan. The smaller two bedroom, one bedroom was 429. And the smaller was what? 429. And nowadays for a two-bedroom, two one bath in Smyrna, I'm sure an apartment business is probably still up. They still there. Yep. It's Village of Lake Park. It's still there. It's probably going for like what? It's in the thousands, I know that. Because it went up when the Brave Stadium came. So it's in the thousands for a fact So, so it's more than double Probably triple So you find his apartment mm-hmm. In the apartment guide Yep you and your friend And I'm saying Hold on We gotta come back to look at this So we decide that same year To make a trip back So I Oh maybe not the same year That was January So And a few months later We come back in January to look at these apartments. We are in love. Cannot believe this is $4.99. And I'm absolutely in love. And I'm like, okay, we're moving here. We're moving here. We're moving here. So I come back in March Mm -hmm. to fill fill out the lease, get approved, pick up my keys, all of that. Um, So the apartment that I want... I don't, I don't get approved for that. So I applied for another one that I had seen driving by, but I didn't actually go in to look at it. Yeah. So I go look at the apartment and I fill out the application. I get approved and she tells me, okay, cool. This is the moving day. I say, okay, well, me and my friends were coming here um, and we'll be in on, I'll never forget, they say March 31st, 2009. So, we wake up that morning, pack all our things, drive 10 hours here in a, the largest U-Haul that exists. Yeah. Um, and made my way to Georgia. hmm And I, the rest is really, it's not history, but like- Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how we got here. And I don't know how we got here, but that's how we got here. <laughs> so, your parents- Mm-hmm. Do y'all still talk? I don't talk to my father. Um, I haven't talked to him since New Year's Eve of 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my last time talking to you. New Year's Eve of 2009. Mm-hmm. It's been over 10 years. Yep, it has. How do you feel? Like, what stopped y'all's conversation? Well, there's really nothing to talk about. When I... that For me, that experience in was me. I decided to move to Atlanta because mm-hmm. I wanted, for the first time in my life, to create my own story, my own way. Okay. No one else telling me who to be, how to be, um, any of that. Yeah. So, yeah. for me, that year was me coming out to him. That's mm-hmm. what that was. And so... The conversation didn't go well. It was basically ended by him saying, "Um, he doesn't have three sons. he has two, and that's and Clay, so he, he just ostracized. He- you. yep, and that was it. So, how are you feeling in that moment? A lot of things. The main thing was freedom, okay. Um, I felt free. I was like, I don't even know if you remember that commercial, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting commercial, but basically the weight of the world is no longer on my shoulders. That's okay. what I felt like. Gotcha. I felt like I can Finally be agree. free. Okay. And that's what that was. I mean, obviously then comes the herd and then the like, why don't, why Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. I know why it's happening, but why is it happening to me? Yeah. And then obviously, you know, all of those abandonment, loss, the gamut. But my first feeling was freedom. So you get, you finally get the the feeling of freedom and you finally get freedom. Mm -hmm. So after you get your freedom, are you kind of like, you know, stuck in this whole like what's next phase? Because you know sometimes you finally get your freedom you're like okay, I got it, you're excited. And then reality sinks in again and it's like, "Oh, what do I do next?" No, I ain't have time to do that because I'm I'm a full adult at this time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, so I have to figure out You know what's funny? I didn't even have an opportunity to think or consider any of those things until 2019. It was my first time sitting down and feeling comfortable to breathe mm. because for eleven years, I was just chasing the dollar. So I don't know who's who's whose idea that is, but there's an idea that you can't address. You can't address your issues until your basic needs are met. Your, I think your five basic needs are met. And mine's were never met until 2019. Like, I never had stability. I never was comfortable. I never felt safe. I never felt at home, any of those things, until 2019. So that was when I started to be like, oh, I got some shit to fix. Mm. So that's when I started going to therapy. So how, okay, so let's talk about therapy. Oh, therapy's amazing. <laughs> God, I go every Thursday at 4:30, and it's the one hour of my week that I just get to like it mm-hmm. all out on the table. For sure. So your first experience in therapy, because a lot of men, we don't go to therapy. Well, my first experience with therapy, well, actually. I had always wanted to go to therapy So we're going to talk about Yeah, I've never I've never See, that's one of the things about being a child who basically raised themselves Yeah, I never No one ever got the opportunity to impose their views onto me So I didn't grow up with any kind of like Oh, I shouldn't do this because this isn't cool Like who was going to tell me it wasn't cool? Me? So, no, I, I didn't have that. I always wanted to go to therapy, but I never had no money. Got you. Got you. Got you. So, I started listening to this podcast called The Friend Zone, mm-hmm. which is what started to help me unlock, like, oh, this shit is happening to me because of past trauma. For sure. I didn't even know why shit was happening to me or why I was dating the people I was dating. Me, or why I was, you know, had certain attributes. I didn't know what those reasons were. Yeah. Um, so listening to that podcast kind of started the wheels turning for me. And what happened in 2019 was I finally got my money right, so mm. I could get insurance to get gotcha. therapy. That's gotcha. kind of how that all yeah, went. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I've always wanted to go to therapy. I just couldn't afford it. I've never knew about like, who always wanted to go to there. Oh, we always. I knew from like. 12 or 13. I needed to go to therapy. What was your so at 12 or 13, what was your reason for wanting to go? Back then versus now? <sighs> back then I wanted to go. Back then I wanted to go so that my parents could go to therapy. So okay, so they can better understand you. And yes, so they could be better parents. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. I wanted <laughs> to go to therapy so they could be better parents to me. <laughs> That's why. That's why. (laughs) Got you. And then now you're going so you can be a better person to yourself. To myself. Because I realized that what has been done to me, I'm carrying it on. Mm -hmm. Um, My therapist says trauma shows up as an experience. Mm. It doesn't show up. um, It doesn't show up like physically. It shows up as how you carry out yourself. So like if... If you see, if you, for example, like if your trauma is a ladybug, every time you see a ladybug, the way you react to the ladybug tells you that there's trauma around the ladybug. It's just like that, it also comes from psychology. That mm-hmm. that thing where if you do like this to a kid and he goes like this, it's because he's, he's used to that's yeah. that's that same thing that I didn't know until I started going to therapy that that I was literally dating men like my father. That was some wild shit I learned in therapy, man. Dang. So as you're experiencing, like, you know, through your relationships, you know, you're dating men who are just like your father, and you're not even... You're not even... No, I'm not like conscious of this conscious at all. It. Nope. And at this moment, or when did it click? I was, what did, was it before therapy or after therapy? I mean, was it before? Yeah, before after therapy, it clicked like... No, that clicked last Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that lesson last Thursday. <laughs> last Thursday, you realized that you realized that you've been dating your father for the past umpteenth years, and in that moment, because that's a breakthrough. What was that breakthrough like? Because having the breakthrough um, like amazing. I mean, when when you when you have break when I have um, breakthroughs, it, it feels like this to me. It feels like there is a a how do I explain it? Mm-hmm. A breakthrough to me feels like if there was a wind tunnel happening in here right yeah. now and all of a sudden the, the 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 gates got lifted and all the wind came out and then it just was calm. Like mm. that's what it feels like to me when I get breakthroughs. It's like all of the things, all of the thoughts, all of the it's like everything just clicks and makes sense and like all the pressure goes out the room and I can just like I can literally feel like I don't know what these things are in your nose but like it's like when your nose is stopped up yeah that's the best way I can describe it right. and then it finally opens again that's what it feels like for me you. Gotcha. and I just be like <sighs> I can finally breathe again wow yeah okay okay so you can finally breathe again and you're having these breakthroughs throughout therapy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So every Thursday at what time again? 4.30, 430 p.m. 4.30 p.m. is therapy for you. Yep. It's Kirkland's time to kind of relieve himself. Actually, Thursday is my day. My whole day. Really? I don't do anything on Thursdays, period. Wow. Now, how do you break it as an entrepreneur? How do you break yourself away from that? Because Thursday I'm, on the calendar says unavailable. Whatever you want to do. Unavailable. I don't care how much money you offer me. Unavailable. I ain't doing it. I'm trying to. you not free Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. None of the month days. Thursday is my day. No, has, a, <laughs> has it always been no way? No. I used to compromise my Thursdays. And do you feel that you compromised your Thursdays because of your past traumas of just being, having to compromise in the- Yep, always was. I, and then I would feel shitty about it afterwards. Mm. Why did I do that? Now I'm being here with a shitty ass attitude because I don't want to be here because it's Thursday, but you knew better than this shit, Kirk. What the fuck you doing? That's the conversation I'm having to myself. <laughs> so when's the last time you talked to your mom? Oh, I talk to my mom now. I oh, we, we speak. I actually just talked to her before I walked in here. So how did you all relationship get mended? If it's mended or it's not mended. It's it's therapy also taught me how to create boundaries. Okay. Healthy ones. So we we have a relationship. It's just not the one I desire. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So what's that relationship like? Um, we talk. We talk. That's about it. So is there like any talk about what happened? There's any oh, talk? I tried to do that. It's just there's a level of consciousness that I don't feel that my mom has reached yet. And so things aren't clear to her. Like they are clear to me about the past, about trauma, about her physical presence not being there. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lack of accountability. Like she, she agrees she wasn't there, but there's no accountability as to what that not being there did or what it felt like in those moments where, where I was literally crying out for protection Mm -hmm. and you was just like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. Like those kind of moments. There's no accountability for those moments and what, those pivotal things did or caused me to take on mm-hmm. so like, had and all the mom, money I got to spend to unlearn that shit. Huh? And all the money I have to spend to unlearn that. Oh, for sure. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I absolutely get the unlearning part because that's the hard part. That's the hard part, trying to unlearn your familial traumas, you know, the traumas you endured through your family. That's a whole thing by itself outside of you know the individual from the father from the mother and then you have the whole family unit and then you have your own personal stuff that you put yourself through mm-hmm. because you didn't know any better mm-hmm. it's like a whole whirlwind of unpacking and and there's so many layers that. Yeah. and just when the thing is just when i thought i was done Because really, in therapy, up until, I'm not even going to lie to you, up until, like, June or July, like, I never even touched my father in therapy. It was all about me, my life experiences, my mother. And then it wasn't until, like, like I said, in June, I started, like, unpacking a little bit. And then last Thursday was, like, So, I feel like just when I thought I was getting to a place where I was like, "All right, maybe I can go to therapy like once every two weeks. Nope, gotta be there. Every gotta week. be there every week gotta it's be like, there. There's more And with it being more, do you ever feel like it ever you'll ever reach a point to where i'm I'm good? Yes, I do. At first, I didn't, but now I do. Um, cause what my therapist likes to say is that his job is to fill up your toolbox. So I feel like my toolbox is getting a little, getting a little packed. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of tools. I know how to respond to things when they're happening to me. I know how to navigate certain spaces mentally. Mm -hmm. I know how to find the language for things. Um, a lot of times I don't, I did not speak up for myself because I have the words that I thought were appropriate to use. Yeah. So like all of those things I have now. So no, I do feel like there's a place I'll get to a place where I'm like, I have enough tools to get through my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So my next question, gay in America. Mm-hmm. Gay in black America, mm-hmm. gay in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, what is it like being a gay black man in America? Um, Because like... You I, feel like the gum on the bottom of America's shoe. Really? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel that way? Because as a black man... You're already, you already feel this immense amount of pressure to always be on the straight and narrow Mm -hmm. because at any time, at any moment, some person could look at you and decide Mm -hmm. that your life isn't worthy today. So you have that. And then you also have to worry about how. You're perceived in your own community. I like to tell people this. Before I was ever... Before I ever experienced racism, I experienced homophobia from my own people. Mm. So, for me, that struggle is... It's a lot of weight. It's the best way I can describe it. It's a lot of weight. So, how is it carrying the weight of... One, being a black male. Two, being a homosexual black male. Three, feeling the way that you feel. Like, what is that weight like? Because there's some men out there who don't understand in our community who understand the weight that you have to carry. Because we have, as a black man, you know, a heterosexual black male, we carry the weight of racism, the, all other types of weights. But it's like, you know, you have an additional weight on your shoulder as well. Yep. So imagine, imagine you already got, 200 bricks on you a hundred bricks for everything so black male right so then you add another hundred bricks for being gay another hundred bricks being Jamaican so I got 400 bricks on my back that I walk with every day currently to this day yeah in a sense I mean I think there are parts of me that are much more free Mm -hmm. um but I can't ever take that freedom for granted and pretend for a minute that there isn't someone or something in the world that's always looking to to believe that I don't exist. Gotcha. And then and then, I shouldn't exist. So does that take you back to the invisible man sometimes? Like kind of do you kind of like no travel back to that uh-uh, person? No, because the person I am today refuses to be invisible. So no, that that makes me. Be more bold, more loud, more upfront, more direct, more in your face. Mm. No. Okay. okay. My next question. Dang, it just left me. It will come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was, okay, so. Dang, it was a good question. too. I don't forget it. So, how do you express yourself? Like, what is the best way that Kirkland expresses Kirkland? Through fashion. Through fashion. Yep. Okay. Yep. Why fashion? Because it's an outward expression of how I feel about myself on the inside. I can't show you how I feel on the inside, like, physically, but Mm -hmm. I can through fashion. I can through my art, through my photography expression. I can show you those things. So what made you pick up the camera? Oh, that was easy. Okay. So, I started my brand 2014 XL Tribe. Uh-huh. Okay. Um it was an idea that I had in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um at this time I'm an Uber driver and I hate it. I hate it. And I oh. I threw up in my car and I said, I'm done. No, I like when people throw up in my car. No. You didn't get paid a lot of money for that? I did, but it's still the fact that somebody threw up in my car. I don't care. Somebody clean that, not me. No, sir. I liked it. Give me, because you know what throw up in my car meant? I ain't had a drive no more for the day. So <laughs> throw, up my, throw up in my car right now. So I made this 250 and I can go home. Okay? I'm going to get somebody to clean it for $25 at the gas station <laughs> and I'm going to pocket $225 and I'm going home. And I'm making the money On that trip So it's probably 275 Really I'm making that day And I'm out Matter of fact I wanted somebody throwing throw in my car Every night Heck no Heck no So yep. you Uber driving Yeah so I'm Uber driving At this time And I'm trying to Find my way out of Uber driving So Um In the process of doing this Um by the way, Uber Drive was like my first freedom, actually, like figuring out my first level of financial freedom. It was my oh. first time actually being an entrepreneur because I, like, I've always been an entrepreneur, yeah. but I've been doing it like, like, like a little kind here, like, yeah. a little there, not actually focusing on being an entrepreneur, but just making a little money, not actually thinking like I can make this a seven, eight, nine figure business, not thinking of it that way, but just making enough money to survive kind of thing. Right, right. And right. Uber was the first time that I realized, oh, wait a minute, I can make real money doing this. Mm-hmm. So that was my first journey. So on my way out of, the, out of that door, yeah. um, I was like, what's next for me? At this time I had started four businesses already mm-hmm. and I was just over it. At this point, I was like, "Okay, either I'm gonna find my passion, or I'm gonna go back to school and find some other passion, go to work like everybody else, be miserable, retire, and die." Yeah. Because I don't know what else to do. It's not I've I have tried. I just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And what was always passionate to me was that. I realized how rare and special I was around the time that I was starting my business. What I realized was that the idea of having someone who was so comfortable in their skin was something that was not ever presently common to me. I mm-hmm. like seeing it out loud. And so I was like, "Oh, I want to start a business like this." And I had already kind of Dibbled and dabbled Into fashion blogging Like my own personal style But This time And what I Attribute my Success of my business to Is the fact that This is my first business That has nothing to do with me mm. Every other business I started was because I was trying to get rich mm. This was my first time Starting a business That had Money was not involved. Yeah. Like I didn't even have a bank account until 2019. That's how much big money was not involved because my whole objective was to inspire big and tall guys to feel better about themselves. Yeah. Um. And so for me, that was kind of w- where the the wheels started turning for me. Um. And so picking up the camera came in after I started the brand. And what happened was I. <laughs> there, there I go being invisible like, Let me tell you About being invisible So the first year And a half of my blog <clears throat> I never showed my face If you go back To any post Before mm, April of 2019 You'll never see my face What's the website? XLTribe.com. Okay, continue. Okay. So I never showed my face. Or sometimes I would show like that. I would show like this much of my face. So I would mm-hmm. like have a post where I was like, like you can see my eyes. Yeah. Or I have a post where you can see my nose, but never like my full face. Um and that was because I was hiding myself. Got gotcha. you. It was a multitude of things, but also because I'm still hiding myself at this time. Um so I was looking for, what they call those things? Stock images. I was looking for stock images Uh of big and tall black men, let's be specific. And in my time of finding that, one thing I found was that there were no images of big and tall black men. I was looking for Latino men, couldn't find them. I even could not find white men. I could not find any big and tall men in stock images. Mm-hmm. However, I did discover images of big and tall white men, but they weren't like fashion photos. They were doing I don't even understand what was the purpose of these stock photos, but they were basically like, imagine in this room, they were sitting in the middle right here of this room and they had donuts, cookies, cakes, pies, fried chicken, just sitting and they were just eating it. And he had like his shirt half up. So his belly was out. And it was like, what am I going to do with that? Okay. So from, can't they try to go back that far? Oh, you tried to, I tried to just, you get a lot on your website. I do not uh a lot. Like it's just too much. It's just, Uh, you've been, I have a lot of posts. Yeah. Um. So, um, I think my first time showing my the the post is called "Meet the CEO Kirk." I think it's the the name of the title. You remember, have a search button right here. I do. I should. I, I would go ahead. Um. So I forgot what I was saying. Oh, I was looking for uh, big and tall men, and so I found that guy. Yeah, and I was like, wait. This is all y'all have. I was like, "Okay, cool." Exit the browser, went to Best Buy, bought a camera, and mm. the li- the rest is literally history. Like for real. Like that was the day that I was like, "I'm going to shoot my own content to put on the site." So that that's when I picked up a camera. So then I had knew a couple guys in Atlanta I was like, "Hey, I don't like I don't need like I don't have any money to pay you, but I'm just getting started in photography." the best I can do, I can give you free photos. And so I was like, in exchange, I just want some of those photos for XL Tribe. And that's what I did at the beginning. I just shot any big and tall guy that had great style, I would shoot him. Like, that That was, unt- and then people started noticing and recognizing and like, hey, how much do you charge? I, I still remember my first photo shoot to this day. Person was like, how Who much do you charge? charge? I was like, charge? I was like, money? What, what's that? <laughs> I was like, I don't charge. He's like, you should always charge. And I was like, for what? Like, this is my passion, like money. I was like, no. He's like, give me a price because you need to be paid. And I was just like, $50. Just $50. (laughs) Now I laugh at that. What's $50? But, you know, that said $50. And that was my first paid photo shoot. And ever since then, I was like, Wait. Hold on. Who needs Uber? Wait a minute. Okay. At the time I was charging, I think I was charging, actually charging $150 after that shoot. I started to charge because I had officially quit Uber and I needed money. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to charge $150. So I was like, mm. at the time I was only doing three looks. So basically I was charging $50 per look. And so I'm like, okay, if I do three for these... In a week I make the same amount of money I was making on uber but except for it only took me four hours not 45 hours wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute wait so if I actually worked photography and I did this full time like 150 dollars an hour times 40 wait a minute I quit that was the day I was like oh I can make money Uh taking these photos okay all right we out and so from there, I just, you know, kept posting the guys that I would take their photos for free. And then eventually I started getting paid clients and then kept getting paid clients. And I was like, so that's when 2019 rolled around and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I can afford health insurance now and I can go to therapy and I can like fix myself or I don't know. Fix myself. I'm not broken. I just, whatever. The pieces uh, need to come together. Pieces, yeah. The yeah. pieces need to be hitting right. That's, yeah. that's what I was looking for. So yeah, it was kind of the journey of my life. And now you're, so what would you call yourself now versus then? So back then you were the invisible man. Today, Kirkland is who? Oh, I stayed loud. <laughs> I remember that comment every day of my life. Stay loud. And I sure do. I think I'm gonna. I got a new title episode title, Invisible Man. Stay loud. The Invisible Man stay loud. No, not the. Just take off the. Oh, Invisible, the invisible man, man stay, stay loud. to roll with that one. Okay, I like it. Thanks, Kirkland. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. That is the journey. You da, da, da. missing anything? No, I don't think so. You have a really dope story. Do I? I, th- I think so. I love hearing people's stories. Okay. That's, that's the reason behind this whole podcast is for me to really just sit down and listen to people's think stories' people's stories and just hear like you know what they've been through and how they got through it. That's the whole premise of this podcast. It's just really like, okay, cool. Let's sit down, let's talk. because sometimes this that seat that you're in is somebody's first time telling their story to the entire world or their first time getting it off their chest. Mm-hmm. chest. And I Ooh, want this to like, be that to space. be that space. It's a safe space. If so I tell people like, you know, though the title says living blessed, I still want you to feel as free as possible. Because I remember once upon a time where I was the invisible man myself, you know, where I just couldn't speak. And it's funny. I was trying to be invisible, but I'm fed as fuck, though. That's really interesting <laughs> to me, like, I was trying to do that. It was like beyond my, my mindset, like. Sir, you are big. How are you being invisible? Like, everyone can see you, but you don't think that in your mind. Like, you- I, but it's an internal thing. Yeah. It's an internal thing because you think, like, though we see ourselves as plus-size men in the mirror, internally we still feel so small. Small, yep. You know, we feel small because of society or because of our parents or because of whomever it may be. Mm-hmm. That it's like, we feel small. Yep. Feel very Very small, very small. minute, yep. Piquito All that good stuff Yes And it's like once All we, them languages Yeah and, and it's like you know, Once we come to a point Where we find ourselves mm-hmm. We find our freedom Like you know You found your freedom Behind a camera You find your freedom In fashion You found your freedom In therapy And it's like Once we find that It's game over <sighs> Like you can finally You can fly You can finally be free Free And nice. it's just even to the people who don't, may never make it to this platform, who may never get a chance to, like, sit here. There's another Kirkland out there. I, I, I believe so. Who probably hasn't had the opportunity to, stay, to be loud. And when he, when he listens to this and when he watches this and he follows you on Instagram or Facebook or wherever it may be, you give him a chance to be loud. You give him a chance to speak up for himself. And it's just, I appreciate those stories and those moments from people. That's some dope shit, man. thanks. Don't know where that came from. That's all right. The Lord blessed you. <laughs> you put that on your heart, <laughs> yes, yes. So, gonna do a quick commercial, uh huh. And then, what I want you to do is close us out with something dope, powerful, cool, in formal Kirkland way. Okay, so this episode is sponsored by the Embolden Institute, the only institute that I know of that sends out daily messages of encouragement, hope. And it helps you get over your traumatic situation. Not help you get over it, but help you get through it, should I say. I don't believe you ever get over your traumatic situation. I would never get over anything that happened to me, but I know how <clears throat> I can get through it for sure. And I can, you know, like her talked talk about earlier, learn to just live in it mm-hmm. and learn to get through it. Through it. So that's the only way we do. So through these text messages and through these programs I'm creating, you'll be able to get through your traumatic situation. So what I want you to do is text me, 404 476 6780, that's 404 476 6780. Kirkland, close it up, brother. All right. Well, when I was younger, we're going to start with Invisible Man. So, when I was younger, there's a song by Mary J. Blides. It's called Invisible. And the words go I've never heard that song. Invisibility. Well, I wanted to sing it, but I'm not. Invisibility would be great. That's, that was me as a child. Um, and now that I'm an adult, Mm -hmm. the words that hold true to my spirit, the words that hold true to my spirit is freedom by Beyonce. I'm going to keep running because a winner does not quit on themselves. Mm. I love it. That's it. it. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Somebody needs that. And my hope mm-hmm. is that, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep it running because the winner don't quit on themselves. That's it. That's it. We out. Peace.